0: You're listening to the Urban Warfare Project Podcast from the Modern War Institute at West Point. I'm John Spencer, Chair of Urban Warfare Studies at MWI and host of this podcast. So today's guest on the podcast is Walter Leck. He is the host and creator of the Walter Report, a Twitter space that has really been effective in fighting Russia. And that's what I hope we get to talk about. Walter, welcome to the Urban Warfare Project podcast.
1: pleasure uh, to to be your guest, John. I'm Walter or Walter Leck. I kind of inadvertently became this Twitter spaces host. Uh, I occasionally did that before the invasion or reinvasion of Ukraine started on the twenty fourth Essentially, it's a new Russian offensive that started on the twenty fourth because uh, Russia has been at war with Ukraine and waging war of aggression on Ukraine since uh, 2014. Now we just entered a new stage of this Russian war of aggression, a new Russian offense that started on the 24th of February 2022. And I occasionally was uh, jumping into the spaces that were discussing these Russian troop build-ups and uh, overall ominous signs that were indicative of something coming. And on the 24th Third, I reckon, we actually were in the space that I hosted. Essentially, we were streaming live of sorts and just witnessing how Russian troops essentially on a live stream seized the control of the uh, this checkpoint between Russian-occupied Crimea and Ukrainian mainland, and apparently they killed the border guard, and then uh, the uh, Russian cruise missile strikes followed, specifically onto borespil we discussed these uh, Turkish a400 that landed in Boryspil just hours because before Russian invasion started. And after that, it just became an inadvertent 24 7 stream. And initially, it was just me, it was a few breaks for getting some sleep. Specifically, in the initial days, it was almost no sleep streaming. And then a couple of people joined and uh, we built up a team. And now I have a, a couple of hours to actually relay the co hosting part that her Walter report was
0: started it's amazing so let me for the listeners explain basically uh, since i didn't know and and maybe i'm not the digital native i thought i was that twitter space is is basically a chat room right so it's a room where now you created a space or chat room or where anybody can listen in to conversations about the illegal russian invasion of ukraine and you've had it going even before the war started. Could we back up a little bit and, and tell us a little bit more about you? And like what is your background, your family's background that kind of motivated you to join those early on spaces?
1: Well, uh, again, I, I kind of started this inadvertently of sorts, it was, I, I never expected myself to do this thing, but here I am. My uh, background is in medicine. I'm a licensed physician in Ukraine, obstetrician, objen obstetrics gynecology worked in the perinatal center large hospital and then in 2019 i and my partner we got a chance to legally immigrate to the states essentially and we we took that leap of faith of towards and here we are essentially we're just i was in the middle of transferring my credentials to the u.s system which is a tedious process still in the middle of it unfortunately and uh This Russian invasion kind of got me to postpone that, unfortunately. But people in Ukraine have bigger problems, apparently, than, than I do have here. So that said, in Ukraine, that's my professional background. Overall, I and my friends, we were active in 2014 when Ukraine underwent this transformation from a state that was leaning towards autocratic dictatorship under Yanukovych to a normal, progressive, progressive in terms of trying to develop normally in a democratic way state. Essentially, this is what happened in 2014 when we took part in Ukrainian revolution of dignity with my friends, um, which is colloquially called the Euromaidan. And, uh, we traveled back and forth essentially for three months since late November until February, stayed there for a while because it was on and off process. It was an encampment that was attacked by the riot police in Kyiv, in the capital of Ukraine. And it held for three months. And people were, all of Ukraine was supporting Euromaidan. And eventually there was a brutal crackdown and attempt to kill these people in Maidan by Yanukovych, the former president that was essentially a puppet of of Russia and Putin. And uh, when it failed, when, valiant civilians who were unarmed they rushed themselves into into the riot police and these snipers that were killing them in institutska street when that failed and police fled and protesters turned the tide by their valiance and their sacrifice and kovach fled and ukraine transformed and uh, progressed in something that we all wanted it to be eventually in a normal state a democratic state that combats corruption and uh, eventually moves towards democratic societies uh, like Europe in the U.S. A normal normal life without something that was during Yanukovych. And after that happened, initially, immediately, I mean, Russia backstabbed Ukraine and uh, occupied Ukrainian Crimea and started a war in the east of Ukraine in 2014. It ejected Russian special forces who pulled the trigger and started the war, and uh, Ukraine was at war with Russia ever since, since 2014. Because 2014 was a threshold, when Russian hybrid methods of war, they stopped working. The political influence ended, the economic influence sort of ended, and Russia moved in with a kinetic war. So uh, again, yeah, that's that's the point uh, where we, we contributed, I contributed. And uh, some of the people that we met on Euromaidan, they ended up with Ukraine's armed forces as volunteers. Some of them moved on with their lives like I did, but we supported the military and supported volunteers
0: as much as we could, as we did on Euromaidan. So it all stems from there. One, I just learned a lot, and I think that's some of the power of the Walter space or the Walter Report, as you call it, or we call it. And I think this is an urban warfare podcasts or urban operations in general and the uniqueness to like you said you've been doing this for since 2014 and well before that i just learned a lot um, as information is power knowledge is power and one of the advantages of the space is even for me i don't know how quite i found the space i think somebody sent me a link and invited me to it and then i just i was just listening in and learning because there's Where people get their information, it also directs what they believe, how how they support. Can you talk a little bit about? So now we have this space and we, you know, I've been a part of it, you know, since not that, you know, clearly not as long. It's been going for a long time, but now I'm hooked to learning from the space, joining the space, having a conversation about everything that's going on there. Can you talk a little bit about the spaces now? Who all do we have in the group And, and how do you think it helps? in the fight of Russia. I think it honestly does, but I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, the, the space itself
1: progressed as well from you know just a couple of people, to the start to a group of like-minded individuals. And essentially I always try to bring up people from Ukraine because my point was to elevate Ukrainian voices and firsthand experiences of people who are in Ukraine both my acquaintances and people who I didn't know, but I kind of got acquainted via Twitter with because there is a vibrant Ukrainian Twitter fear of sorts, which is unfortunately, as everything else, it's a sort of an echo chamber. And I wanted to break that echo chamber, you know, pulling in or pulling out Ukrainians from there to the outside world of sorts, so that they could have a say and to convey their experiences, their information to the outside world, to English-speaking audiences, because I believe this is crucial, because it's good that they communicate with each other, but if they are limited to Ukrainian kind of circle, it just, you know, it becomes an echo chamber. So my idea was to kind of break that and to elevate their voices and make them heard. That was my first point. And we also had uh, military professionals who helped us, again, eventually uh, you ended up with <laughs> with Walter report or supporting us and contributing greatly as a as a major military expert and sharing your expertise. And on top of that, or actually I would say simultaneously, people from Canadian mission, Canadian NATO mission, which was essentially held in Ukraine or was active in Ukraine for many years after 2014, it was called nato training mission canadian part of it was called operation unifier so some individuals from that mission kind of inadvertently tuned in and uh, they stuck around and continued to help us and something even better was built upon that connection because they themselves canadians and americans from Operation Unifier and those who are affiliated with Operation Unifier and those who wanted to help Ukraine. They created this NGO Maria Aid. Maria in Ukrainian for dream. And it was also a name for Ukrainian Antonov 2 to 5 largest airplane cargo airplane in the world, which was destroyed by Russian invaders in Ostomel airfield. So Maria Aid was essentially born out of Walter report space and the connections and progress into something even bigger. It's an NGO that uh, essentially helps Ukrainians. In Ukraine, on the ground, contributes to humanitarian aid, to the first aid supplies and also non-lethal aid that Ukrainian volunteers request and utilize extensively, specifically drones, UAVs, some body armor or personal protection equipment in terms of body armor scopes thermal vision scopes and stuff like that and again mostly it's medical aid that is being delivered in a very timely way as i said my background is in medicine and one of my friends from medical schools he well i chose the obstetric surgery he chose to be military physician military surgeon and he ended up in bakhmut in the east of ukraine right now it's one of the hot spots And uh, he worked in a Bakhmut hospital for a while, and uh, essentially they received some of that aid that Maria aid delivers to Ukraine. So it's it's not just talking, it's also on top of the talking, Walter Report is obviously just providing some kind of a counter-disinformation narrative, and we are combating disinformation, making people aware of what is happening in Ukraine by elevating Ukrainian voices and having military professionals, like specifically like you, who contribute greatly so that people understand what is going on in terms of military uh, advancements. And on top of that, something also tangible came out of this, an NGO that helps Ukrainians on the ground, and the help is timely and tangible for those people who are suffering
0: from Russian war of aggression in Ukraine right now. So that part made me glad, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing that so much can come out of a conversation and really connecting people. And I, I know I've been in a space, and you could probably tell us on any given day how many people are in that space listening, talking, providing firsthand accounts from Ukraine, which as a researcher, that's huge. You've had so many fighters as in Ukrainian military in the space saying, this is what I see from my small part of, of this large fight against Russia. As a researcher, it's just huge for me. But you're right, the connections and one of the questions that we always get in the space we—I mean, you—and um, I'm—I'm there. I hear it so often: "Is how can I help?" As the world sees what's happening in Ukraine as wrong, Russia evil versus good, I always listen in and hear that question of people that don't know what to do. But in this new technology world, you've actually created a space where. You can tell people how they can help, whether it's through the NGO, whether, like I say, you're keeping hope, sending messages, even even messages to elected leaders, whatever country, because there's, I can't count the number, how many different countries, representative, I know you have some diplomats, you have military professionals, you have firsthand accounts, you have civilians in places like Odessa that I love to hear from, talking about the beauty of Ukraine and talking about what's actually happening as, it's actually, to be honest, Walter. It's my source of information because it's it's always, you're more up to date than the news channels I watch, to be honest.
1: Thanks, John. It uh, kind of invigorates the willingness to contribute in, in this way. And yeah, occasionally I'm lucky enough to get people from Ukraine to, to chime in. We had the uh, Ukrainian journalist, Olya Hudetska, who investigated the war crimes in Bucha, specifically in Irpin provided us with insights throughout this russian invasion northwest of Kyiv during the the actual you know situation when it was ongoing she was providing evidence of russians killing civilians who were trying to flee the area on their personal civilian vehicles and uh, was occasionally just chiming in with with some information regarding that and after after that when russians were pushed and retreated from the northwest of kiev and from the north of ukraine she travels to that area to kind of collect evidence as she was actually doing after the killings on maidan for many years so she has a background for that we had people from the battalion who were active fighters in 2014 and 15 an spg9 operator specifically who fought for for his hometown in the east of ukraine he was a a native of, of Donetsk, essentially a smaller town next to Donetsk. And he picked up arms in 2014 and protected his his uh, homeland in the east of Ukraine. And then he became essentially a veteran. And now he was remobilized, he re-volunteered and joined Donbas battalion as a part, which is now as a part as uh, of a National Guard. And also we had Roman Ratushny, who is a well-known Ukrainian NGO leader In the past, of course, before this new Russian offensive started, he was combating illegal construction projects in Kyiv, but now he ended up as a fighter in the 93rd Mechanized Brigade, Holodny Yar. So different people, different experiences. We had Marina, a civilian from Kharkiv, who just got in on the space, literally, when she was under Russian multiple rocket launch system fire or attack when she was in her apartment, and it was kind of bone-chilling and quite horrendous, even on our side, to listen to her when she was essentially trying to hide for her life. That was, I believe, a month ago when Russians were aggressively shelling Kharkiv, and they still are, but thankfully, they evacuated with part of their family from Kharkiv. So again, different, different experiences, different people, different First hand accounts from Ukraine, something that, again, I wanted to elevate and something that English speaking audience has often very ch- little chance to engage with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the keys. And if I was teaching a class on war, it's always reminding people that in war, this isn't just two militaries clashing. It's actually there's two large other segments that people sometimes discount, and that's the politics or the Political apparatus, the, the politicians, the political governments—whether that's Russia, whether that's Ukrainian, or whether that's global here in the United States—and then you have your populations. So in war, we we say there's this trinity, and you can tie it to this military theorist Clausewitz. But and they're very trans, different translations of the trinity. But you have the military, you have the people, and then you have the government. One of the aspects of the new and dare I say, urban aspects is that we do have access to so much more war than we ever had as we as in the populations, which then influence the governments, which do have to care about their constituents, whether that's the local constituents. And, and Russia has to care about the Russian people. I and mean, we talked about this in the space and in the global environment. We can all watch because you've connected, you've created a bridge from within Ukraine we don't have to wait for the analysis of news analysts on the ground, although that they, they've been amazing, in my opinion. I know you, different thoughts on that, on where they can go, being there and trying to highlight and spotlight and keep this story in the news every day, all day. But you've also created with the space a bridge to within Ukraine in many different locations. And I, I agree with you, bone chilling, that we're listening to somebody in the space and the, and the, and the bombing start. You can... Here, the bombs happening. That bridge is an influence on modern war, and in the urban environment, which urban means there's lots of people, and we've seen that there's no emptying of cities here. These are these. This is a war happening in Russia, committing war crimes against civilians in civi- cities, pers- you know, targeting them. But every civilian is also a, a cell phone camera. It's also a Twitter live message on. This is what's happening, um, and there, there's some probably some concerns with translating that direct from the feed. But it's the new way. My personal opinion of the future of war and most of the the battle we've seen in Ukraine now has been about urban, and that's caused again for this bridge to be so powerful. I think.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree, and it's somewhat challenging to to establish, but. Yeah, I just try to to make people understand that this is also necessary because obviously I sometimes I nag them with you know requests to join the space and I understand that they're busy with more important stuff because they're either volunteering or doing something on the front lines literally or close to the front lines uh and people, you know, have their you know mundane tasks to do. Occasionally, yeah, you got, I got a chance to to get one or two to share the experiences and share the experiences with the English-speaking audiences. And again, I wanted to emphasize the role of the civilian volunteers. It started in 2014, and uh, it started rolling. Out, out of that initial push, initial effort, many volunteer organizations were born, like Come Back Alive or Save Life. UA, which is the most known, or Serhii Pratoulos Fund, or Roman Senitsyn, or Army SOS, all of them supported military in various ways. are there by delivering supplies or procuring something or filling in the shortcomings, delivering drones, all of that. So it was something that was going on and expertise has been building upon since 2014, and when Russia attacked again. On the 24th of February, all of this expertise essentially kickstarted a new massive volunteer effort in Ukraine. And again, many Ukrainian civilians, overwhelming majority, I would say support military in one way or another right now, because this is existential fight, this is the fight for survival, not just of Ukraine, but Ukrainian people. So this backbone of Ukrainian volunteers, kind that was established since 2014, it's helped to restore or kickstart—I uh, would say is proper term—to kickstart this new effort to to support Ukrainian military. And now we are witnessing how it goes with drones, with supplies, with you know procuring of different equipment and whatnot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can't agree more, and I've seen that power in the space of Organizations like Miry Aid, and again, I'm I'm almost in awe of the space's ability to even do you know with some of the open source intelligence analysts that are a big part of the group. And like I said, it's where I go to get my information. I think it's actually helping as we've discussed on so many different levels. And it's a nature I think of the future of warfare is that you can you created this bridge that is so helpful to so many different communities in so many different countries in to include inside Ukraine to create that bridge, to create that information flow. And honestly, I I've found out things through the space hours and if not a day ahead of time of, of being reported in international news. And I think that's, that's powerful, but of course the aid that's getting there and your work for so many years. It's almost like in this moment, it's so important. So I think Walter will end it there by saying, you know, for all the listeners check it out, check out the Walter space listen in. I often tune in just to keep myself abreast on what's going on, which is important that we all keep our eyes on it, watch what's happening, and hope for the best. And I think that's a big part of the space too, is keeping everybody hopeful.
1: True. It's a big point of this is keeping the events in Ukraine in the spotlight, because it's understandable. People move on, people move on with their lives, and it fades into the background. It's uh, on one hand it's normal but obviously it's not normal it's normal in terms of understanding how uh, individual psyche works specifically if you are living in a safe country in a safe place but overall again this is something that we should continue to address and elevate and keep people's attention upon because every single day more and more Ukrainians are dying as a result of it and the sooner we end this you know the, the better for everyone because essentially Ukraine became a sort of a shield for Europe and protects the interests of the rest of the democratic world, like it or not. That's the current situation. We keep it in the spotlight. We try to keep people informed. We try to elevate voices. And there are different people who are helping us and different topics discussed. But again, it all is centered around Ukraine and current developments on the front lines
0: in Ukraine. Well, thanks, Walter. I know you have to get back to this amazing 24 hours a day space that is playing a vital role in fighting for Ukraine against Russia. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us on the show.
1: My pleasure. And thank you for having me. And again, it's at Walter L E K H, Lima Echo Kilo Hotel. It's my uh, main account, or just at Walter underscore report we're on twitter and we essentially inform our audience about the current developments of russian invasion of ukraine and elevate ukrainian voices as much as as
0: we can thanks a lot walter thanks for listening to the urban warfare project podcast the podcast is produced by the modern Wars two at west point What you hear in each episode are the views of their participants and do not represent the positions of West Point, the Army, or the U.S. government. You can subscribe to the Urban Warfare Project podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to check out IndieWise's other podcasts, as well as the new articles we're publishing every day on our website. Thanks again for listening.